Welcome to the Indie Comics section. Join us as we take you through the pages of some of the best stories and art that's available in the comic book industry. From trivia to book discussions and to interviews, this is Indie Comics. Alrighty, it's another Indie Comics. Woo! Yeah! Alrighty, this is Tyler and I'm with... You're with Jeff. And Maddie. Alrighty, and we have a very, very awesome special guest today. And uh, who do we have on today? Joe Casey. Hey, Joe. Hey, how you doing? <laughs> Joe's with us via Skype. Um, well, um, okay, well, the book of the month is going to be Butcher Baker, The Righteous Maker. Oh, I love it. Ry- rhymes are always great, and so yes, is the reference, which is, so I love it. Um, and Joe, what is Butcher Baker, The Righteous Maker? Uh, Butcher Baker is a very raunchy superhero comic about a <laughs> aged like patriotic hero who goes on his... What he thinks is his final mission. Uh, when it, can I curse on this thing? Absolutely. Yeah. Go right ahead. He fucks it all up and pays, <laughs> pays the price. All right. That's and, a really great uh, pitch there. I like I it. I know. It's <laughs> Raunchy Patriot. I'm I love it. And what, what inspired you to make this? Like, what, 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 what made you want to have a really fucked up patri- <laughs> patriotic superhero? Well... There are always certain icons in comic books, especially superhero comics, that are, to me, always ripe for subversion. Yeah. And in this case, it was the patriotic, wearing the stars and stripes, all-American superhero. Kind of like blindsided himself a little bit, maybe like kind of too patriotic? Well, no, just, I mean, just that, just that cliche of the you know i mean it was basically subverting a captain america kind of character that was the that was the initial notion okay and i i love captain america but um (laughs) it seemed like um anything that is so blatantly um kind of draped in the colors of patriotism uh to me is always up for subversion or parody or just tweaking it a little bit because yeah. it's, uh, t- I mean, there's just, a, it's just an obvious target now more than ever. But, but, uh, then I, for whatever reason, I just thought, ah, I, you know, people were feeling both good and bad about America mm-hmm. at, the, at that moment. It was, uh, 2009, 2010 and everybody yeah. was, you know, feeling pretty great about, um, electing Obama. And so was I, but at the same time, we we're also coming <laughs> off, you know, eight years of Bush and yeah. a horrible economic meltdown. And so there was the yin and yang of the whole America thing. And I think that just kind of pushed me in that direction initially. I mean, the book's not really about that, but in terms of the iconography. Yeah, like how, that's, how people can kind of connect with it. Yeah, that's kind of where it came from. Okay, that's cool. How did you, um, you know, how did you kind of keep challenging yourself with this one? Because, like you said, like this is something that obviously does affect us all. Mm-hmm. It is, I mean, we're all Americans here, um, but like, it, it, obviously, you know, those kind of feelings affect Most us. Most of the time, anyway. <laughs> all right. Um, I mean, what actually got kind of got you to challenge yourself to continue on and kind of make this a little bit more unique? And like you said, you wanted it to be more like or kind of inspired, I guess, kind um, like Captain America. So, what did you do to challenge yourself to make him different? Well, just once you get into something, I mean, it's it's one thing to kind of have a notion of, I'd like to do a story like this or a character like this. 
once you start to build the story and write the character, the character takes over. Yeah. And it became a much more personal, much more emotional kind of story as I was getting into it. Because ultimately, that's where I wanted to go with it. But the way I tend to work, um, it's usually I start from a very general concept, a very yeah. quick and easy concept. And then as I start to explore it and dig into it, what the thing is really about starts to reveal itself. Well, to that point, though, you, you kind of talked about how personal it became. Can you talk a little bit about that? And especially when you get into politics, when you get into, you know, our bright and shiny heroes like Captain America, like Superman, who you've also, you know, done some writing for. What, um, how did this evolve for you and, and become personal? And, and what did it, you kind of learn about yourself through it? <sighs> the easy questions. We're here to ask the easy ones. Well, I mean, I think that the fact that the character um, was at the, uh, as I like to say, on the back nine of his career. Yeah. Okay. Uh, he was he'd been he'd been through it, and this was sort of the his what he thought was going to be his swan song. Yeah. Um, and that his age and his um, the fact that he'd sort of been out of the game for a little while as the story begins did work, end up working against him. It did make him sloppy. He wasn't as sharp yeah. as he used to be. Um, you know, as, as, as we all get older, those kinds of issues will always rear their ugly head, yeah. you know, and can I still be as good as I was, or can I still be as, as, uh, involved or as dedicated as I was when, you're growing up and other things are starting to uh, demand your time and demand your attention. I mean, when I was, you know, first starting out in comics, I was all about, it was just work, 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 yeah. work, work. And, and that's all. My whole life was that. I mean, to the detriment of all kinds of other things. Yeah. yeah. And you also and, kind of think about like, you know, hey, like this person was kind of living this way. Like what would have been like to be like that? And it kind of gets you into thinking more about like, well, what would have happened if I had just done this or like also kind of bounce off of other people's experiences as well? Yeah. Yeah. I would, I would think so. I mean, for me, it was, you know, just again, getting older and having more family things come into your life and you just have more of a life. It's not all about work, Yeah. yeah. but I still love my work. But so when I get back, so I get into it, I'm exploring things through the work they will always end up reflecting whatever my life situation is. And, and, and I'm, I mean, look, I'm always ruminating about death. I mean, that's just <laughs> What's that? a writer that, that sort of first. Um, so you try to work through it in, in whatever way you can. And, and what be- better way to do it than borderline pornography in a superhero comic. Right? <laughs> there you go. Well, and, and to that point, I mean, what you were talking kind of how you, it was really about the work just producing at the beginning and you know your list of credits really speaks to that but what drew you to comics in the first place as a format and like what inspires you about the work you do both then and then and now as you've kind of grown and developed uh, a different voice well I mean in the beginning I mean, when I was a kid it's one of those things I mean there's I don't really I've never really thought about it too closely but when you get into comics as a little kid which I did probably four or five years old yeah um, there's just something about it that speaks to you. It's like having, you know, being able to play a musical instrument when you really have no 
training for. You just there's yeah. you have an affinity you have an affinity for what that language is. Yeah. You don't know why. You don't know how. It just it's it it speaks to you. It fascinates you, and you just you just dive way deep, which I did. How so old were you when you wrote your first comic? When I wrote my first comic or read my first comic? Wrote. Wrote. Um, I was writing them in, I was writing small press, black and white kind of stuff in high school. So I was probably, yeah. you know, teenager. I was also submitting things to Marvel and DC and getting, you know, roundly rejected. <laughs> um, but as soon as I. knocking on your door immediately. <laughs> yeah, no. As soon, but as soon as I realized that actual humans made these things, then I started trying to make them. Yeah. And um, and it took me probably, uh, you know, I was, I mean, looking back now, it felt, it seems very quick, but I, I think I turned pro when I was 26. Wow. Um, at the time, I thought, God, this is taking fucking forever. To break <laughs> now it's just like a blink and I was in, you know. Yeah. That's awesome. Uh, so, yeah. Well, it seems like you definitely have the experience behind you. Now, with all the work that you have done so far, do you have like a constant theme that you like to include in all of that, whether it's working in an indie book or something from the big two? Is there something that you like to include in all of that? Is there some kind of basic common denominator here? <laughs> well, for a while, somebody pointed out to me, I, I forget who it was, um, that – I had a preoccupation with occupation. In other words, when I was writing <laughs> superhero comics, I, I was exploring in, you know, in sort of subtle ways, but it was definitely there. The idea of being a superhero as a job, like how mm. does, how does a character do their job yeah, right. well, or how does, how do they fuck up at their job? Or, I mean, so I treated it as a vocation. That's just the way I got into characters yeah that this is this was the character this is what they did and how do how do they relate to what they do yeah um how many days does it take for them to get tired of the office coffee and they just bring their own from home like kind of like that (laughs) (laughs) well yeah i mean it just it just kept cropping up in in a lot of the work that i was doing um and then somebody pointed it out to me i thought oh wow and which made perfect sense because i identified myself through my work and through my job so um, as, as soon as it was a conscious thing, I, I subsequently would play into it and then also resist it. Yeah. Um, but, you know, at this point, I, I don't think too much about it. I'm sure it still pops up in my work from time to time. You kind of like, right. like lean into it, but then like throw yourself for a loop there for a split second. Like, aha. And like, <laughs> like stop yourself. <laughs> well, yeah, look, I, I just shamalan myself. <laughs> Sorry. I'm always play, it's, well, it's, I look at it as just playing horrible mind games with myself. Yeah. <laughs> your way, your description works too. Shyamalan. <laughs> well, I, well, that's very interesting, especially from that perspective, because I don't think I've ever heard of a, of the common denominator being uh, the workplace as opposed yeah. to, to work like that. So that's actually a fun perspective. That's how I totally see being a superhero. from another standpoint, um, with all the work that you've done, um, who do you claim to be your literary and or artistic influences? Oh shit! Um, <laughs> you mean, I think we've heard in, of that in comic one. books and yeah. comic and comic books specifically. Oh, any, anything. It could be any genre. Any it could be novels. Life. It could be music. Anything. 
Well, in comics, uh, let, let's let's stick with comics because <laughs> I, I can I can easily say in comics. All right. Oh, perfect. I kind of, ha- you know, I mean, I had the big popular influences, you know, the Frank Millers and the Alan yeah. Moores of the of the of the world. Definitely. Like everybody else, but I I also kind of would latch on to these. They weren't cult writers. They were they had their moments of 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 popularity, but. It was guys like Mike Barron. Oh, oh yes. yeah. The one of my favorites that I didn't even know when I was a kid, which I went back to later and realized he really had a big influence on me was a guy who wrote for uh, Marvel when I was a kid, and he went on to write for DC a lot. Was a writer named uh, David Michelinie. Oh, yes. Okay. Who he wrote Iron Man and the Avengers in the seventies. He wrote the oh, sort wow. of the definitive Iron Man run. His Iron from Man the was probably 70s. the best. <laughs> oh wow. Yeah. Better than Demon in the uh, Bottle? I think so. <laughs> yeah, yeah he, wrote, yeah, he wrote Demon in the Bottle. Oh, he did yeah. write. Oh, okay, There's so I know his work then. There you go. Yeah. Oh, wow. So those, so guys like that, they were sort of in the mix, but they weren't they weren't um, superstars. Yeah. Because, again, my whole sort of occupation uh, fascination was just, I just liked guys who had the job. Yeah. My whole, my whole ambition was just to, get the job and have the job. It wasn't about, you know, whether or not I was going to sell books or be popular was not at all what I ever dreamed about. It was always just about just getting the job was a huge deal. So the true influence were the ones that were employed, actually. Yeah. You know what I'm saying. <laughs> exactly, yes. Employment. <laughs> well, I mean, so, I mean, um, you know, kind of you going into comics, um, was it kind of a little bit more, I guess, fascinating or kind of, I guess, uh, cha- you know, like like world changing. I guess when the independent comic books started kind of growing and creator own things started happening, what was your what were your thoughts kind of going into comic books? Because you know, at that point, you know, we already had you know the image re- you know revolution already began, and um, so what happened with that when you wanted when you decided, hey, I'm gonna start writing some comics? Uh, was it to have that other option? What kind of mindset did you have? Well, I mean, at the time I broke in professionally. Uh, this would be 96, I guess, 96, 97. Yeah. The, imi- the initial wave of Image Comics had sort of come and gone. I mean, the, 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 the initial popularity. Yeah. And all of those books were all kind of, to me, they were versions of the things that those founders had been doing at, at Marvel, basically. They were, you know, X-Men-like titles and Spider-Man-like titles, superheroes, basically. Yes. Yeah, exactly. So... The whole, I mean, and I knew they had, you know, it was, they owned them and I knew what the deal was, but other than those uh, characters and those concepts, at that point, creator-owned comics in the mainstream was not all that prevalent as an idea. Um, So when I, I mean, when I was breaking in, I was doing two things simultaneously. On the one hand, I was doing these no money black and white comics that, <laughs> that I would own, but I didn't really, they were just for the, I was doing it for the love of the game. I yeah. just wanted to make comics. Yeah. Yeah. And then there was the, I'm going to get a job that pays me money <laughs> at Marvel and or DC. That's true. So I, I can do this for a living and, okay. and never, and the two did not meet at all. And luckily I did get in at Marvel and was able to start making a living at it. And it wasn't a, a, for about, it took about four or five years for 
the direct market to kind of stabilize and show some signs of life after the morbid yeah. mid 90s. Yeah. Yeah. That, Especially with Marvel, yeah. Yeah, and that's when there was some changes in management at, at Image Comics in particular, and the whole creator-owned thing suddenly became really a viable thing. Yeah. And this was, I think, you know, it's funny, people uh, will credit The Walking Dead now, and right, deservedly so. <laughs> yeah. But what came before The Walking Dead, and I just thought yeah. of this, was 30 Days of Night. Oh, God, yes. 30 Days of yeah. Night, Steve Niles. That was the first, mm -hmm. to me, that was the first sort of, independent and you know it was it, it might as well have been creator owned even you know even it was sort of early days at idw yeah yes um but that was the first one that kind of made this impact to where that model was suddenly a feasible not only creative but economic yeah. avenue to take and it changed and, dreams uh, i mean it changed dreams for kids we're just like wow like i i'd rather you know like we we have we have a couple of people who we've interviewed and we're just like honestly like once stuff like that started happening they were like well like DC and Marvel would be really cool but man like I'm also excited to have my stuff and know I'm a creator of it or like and like in everything so that's cool yeah I think I was I was the la one of the last in the last generation of creators where the methodology of breaking in was that you started out in independent comics yeah. doing no money work and black and white stuff yeah. and, and and hopefully you get noticed by the quote unquote majors yep. and are able to level up, you know? Exactly. And as it turned out, I sort of, even though I was doing no money books, they hadn't really come out yet to any great extent. So I, I kind of leapfrogged over that step <laughs> uh, entirely. Yeah. And, but what happened fortunately is that, making a name for myself at Marvel and DC allowed me to then go right back to image and make those creator owned comics and have some kind of audience, uh, that was willing to, to look at what I was doing. Yeah, you know? absolutely. Awesome. Well, that kind of leads into the next part that I have right here. Now, some of your works like sex and the bounce for image and catalyst comics for dark horse are in my opinion, shining examples of what creator owned work brings to the state of independent, independent comics in general. Now, in your opinion, since creators have more potential to own their own characters nowadays, do you think this is the golden golden age of creator-owned work, and where do you see the industry going then as a result of that? Well, I think that, I mean, I do think it's some kind of great period for creator-owned comics, obviously. I mean... Yeah, I mean, with Skybound and everything. Yep. Yeah. Um, I mean, Valiant's back. Yep. I think that what we're what we're getting to a place where, uh, I mean, listen, what happens with creative people <laughs> when when they when they suddenly get freedom? Yeah, they their first instinct is to go nuts, and that's mine <laughs> right. as well. And, and you see do. it in something like Butcher Baker; it's profane. It kind of pushes the envelope yeah. in 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 the in the realm of good taste, and. Um, you're just as a creator, you're just saying, well, how far can I push things? We've, we've got yep. you don't know if this is going to be just a slim window of opportunity or if it's going to last. Yeah. So <laughs> if it's a slim window, you got to go for you, it. You just go push buck things wild. Through. See, that, that's, yeah. that's how I kind of felt like we bring it up all the time. It's like uh, Saga, Brian K. Vaughn, who just like, what what can I do? And it just like more the more like I, I could just imagine what the elevator pitch for that would have been. Who just like a guy with a TV head is going after these two. Guys, one of the horn, the other one, and he's just like, wait, what? 
Yeah, but. exactly. Well, hopefully once once we're all once we get over ourselves with all that stuff and, yeah. and I think it's starting to happen that we'll be able to some real nuance will kind of re-enter the work. Yeah. Yeah. And oh, yeah. we'll start to make things that have real not that they don't now, but yeah. things that have real literary value. Um, you know, things that the, the things that will fulfill the promise of the 1980s, you know, to be perfectly frank about it, things that will fill the pro the promise that uh, books like Mouse yeah. and, the, you know, the, the first decade of Love and Rockets. Oh, and yes. <laughs> those kind of things um, really were like a beacon for guys my age going, oh, yep. so this art form can really go somewhere. Yeah. It's not we're not just going to go in circles. Uh, well, as it turns out, we are going to go in circles, but hopefully, <laughs> you know, hopefully we'll get we'll be able to jump off the merry-go-round at the right moment. Yeah, and and some and some some deeper, more affecting work will come out of it. Um, we're not there yet, but I, I feel like it's it's coming. Yeah, I, I I completely agree with that. Actually, absolutely. And really, just creating characters and and stories that will live with people and, and affect people. Um, and yep. well, yeah, I mean, tr it'll be more like, uh, novels, like true novels. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, and then even in the, in, in the world of novels, you have like your sort of pop novelists, like <laughs> your Stephen King, and your John Grisham's and guys like that. Yeah. But the, the field, the form is wide open to have everything. Yeah. Yeah. And we're kind of getting there. I mean, we're still in this kind of direct market rut where, we're 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 still I mean, in lockstep with what people a uh, 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 majority consider mainstream or yeah. popular or commercial. Yeah, and we gotta we gotta break that. Yeah, I mean, I, clearly, I, and I fall into it too. I mean, Butcher Baker, for all intents and purposes, is a quote unquote superhero comic book. <laughs> yeah, sure. You know, no matter what other virtues it may or may not hold. I, I wrapped it all in a very, hopefully, a very commercial package. But that's you did something with it. That's its primary it. classification exactly. is what you're saying. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, you have to. You, you have to to have any chance of being seen, you know? Well, and I think it's it's getting that into people's hands and then as a writer and as a, you know, an artist and everybody involved, they're then taking that package that people find, you know, accessible and easy and there's something that they can just be like, Oh, here, let's read this. And then yeah. really hitting them with something more powerful inside of that, I think is, is really important. And I think hopefully as we go on, you won't need all that packaging as much, but. Well, that's, yeah. I mean, that's the whole thing. I mean, you could give Butcher <laughs> Baker to somebody and say, hey, listen, if you want to see a, a, a retired Captain America, fuck, <laughs> check this book out and who doesn't well but then oh, hopefully damn. you get the book and and there might be something else to it a little yeah. little more uh emotionally a little more you know you it it, it but i but i had to but i had to have that commercial fish hook yeah. initially it's, and like yeah tread water where captain america never would ever will yeah. so yeah. what's your that's right what's your yeah. favorite series or issue that you've worked on not to pick from your children but Oh, that's a <laughs> question. It's the best and worst one because it really gets you to like kind of assess and everything like that. Right. <laughs> I mean, like, yeah, it's like, who's your favorite child? Exactly. You know? We won't like, tell them. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'll just, it'll just be on a podcast somewhere. Um, <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> I, hon I honestly don't know because I've done so much of this stuff. Yeah. 
I have, I, you know, so, I mean, and some of, and so much of it that I own yeah. that yeah. I would feel, I'd feel bad if I, I mean, I am really psyched about Butcher Baker because I think it's, it, it just worked from top to bottom. The, yeah. Mike's art is great. The story really came together nicely. It, everything I set out to try to achieve, I think the book achieved, um, which is not always the case, believe me. Yeah. So, um, I'm pretty. I'm pretty happy with it. Yeah. I, I tend to think also. I don't look at them as much as like, oh, I like this story that I told best. Yeah. It's when you're creating your own comic, you're 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 making it from top to bottom. So I had this book come out a couple months ago uh, called Annual, which was like a uh, original trade paperback kind of one man anthology. Yeah. Oh, okay. And. It turned out great, but I couldn't point to any one story in it and say, oh, that's my favorite story. Yeah. But the package and the book itself, I'm really proud of. Yeah, definitely. Um, should be. <laughs> so I, I tend to look at them more like as objects to art as opposed to, oh, I really, you know, expressed myself as a writer <laughs> there. You know, that that that's such a hit and miss proposition. And you feel differently about your own work as time goes on. I mean, yeah. something. Yeah. you think is great this year that you did five years from now you may look back on it and go what the fuck was i thinking <laughs> it was garbage. you know it, so it, I, I i try not to even go there with yeah. This stuff. yeah well it's crazy because you know we've had several people on here i don't remember if it was chris ryle dan fogler or somebody else that we asked we asked somebody you know the same question and they were like you know what like they go i really hate answering that question but he but they were like i i forgot they had one and they go the only reason why this is my favorite is because i Whenever I look at it or think about it or it's brought up, I always think about if I, when I'm eight years old reading comics and stuff like that, and I came across this one, this would have been my favorite comic book. Hmm. And, that right. was, and that was his answer. I forgot what the, who it was and what they said, but I was like, I thought that was like the most interesting answer to that question. And so, I mean, I love yours as well. I mean, like, because it is hard. You can't, I mean, it's, especially well, I can, when you listen, were. I can, I can sum it up even better. The ones that I look <laughs> at now and don't cause me pain. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, those are my favorites. <laughs> it's like the actors that can watch their own movies. Yeah, no, well, and, absolutely. I mean, and, and to that, you know, is there a character that you've written for that you relate to really strongly? Like, you know, not even the series as a whole, but you know, is there one character that you felt like brought out a lot of you? Um, that's a good question too. I hesitate <laughs> to say because, I mean, I there's a lot of there's a lot of me. I think in. Butcher Baker. Yeah, and that's, that doesn't cast me in the best. Way, so. <laughs> Learning about Joe. And, what, and that's what you said. You yeah. said that every character you kind of make them relatable and something that's like yeah. a piece of you. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean that's the hope. But but then again, I also drape them in very unpleasant attributes <laughs> that I would not want sure. anyone to mistake for me in any way, shape, yeah. or form. Yeah. Would you say that's the one that like hit you the most strongly? Like, like did you ever look at it and just say like, wow, like this. This is a part of me. Well, I say that again. I think you guys are breaking up a oh. little bit. I don't oh, no, know. If sorry. My, my sorry about that. Connection is bad or what? Oh, sorry about that. Well, one more time. Yeah, I was just saying. Um, it, so did you look at that, or, or was there a piece that you really saw yourself in then, and, and looked at it after writing it, and, and thought that it really reflected part of you? Oh my God! Yeah, almost <laughs> everything. Yeah. <laughs> and that's that's a real sobering. Uh, you know, realization yeah. when you write something and you think, um, oh, this is, you know, I'm, I'm, I've got my professional distance on this one. 
and then you go back later and you go, oh, Jesus Christ, you know, that's, <laughs> that's way too close to home. I mean, yeah. the the lead character in Sex is <laughs> yes. um, is not. I mean, is in ways more like me than I def- than I would like to be. I told you guys have um, to read Sex. Yeah, absolutely. You have to. <laughs> yeah, and he's you know it's. I mean, he's a very repressed, confused, grappling with adulthood character. Yep. yep. And. Uh, very ambivalent. There are some things in there that are very personal that I didn't yeah. think were personal before I wrote it. Yeah, but that, that's great art, though, when you can put part of yourself in it and then other people are going to recognize parts of themselves in it. It's relatable. Yeah. I actually wanted to ask you a question because, you know, Man of Action, you guys are, are also a collective of uh, some like some really awesome guys and you guys cross uh, media, uh, different mediums. But I, I wonder, though, especially if like a book like this. Do you have, um, because you write it and then you, like, like what you're saying, you reflect and you say like, wow, like in this writing, this is a lot like me. When you see the final product, like with, um, when the artist, the inker, you know, everybody, pencil or when everybody is done with their work and then you finally hold it in your hand or you get the PDF on your computer, what, um, are there all kind of like, what, what do you think is kind of like the, the difference between like seeing that or like when you guys were, have worked on TV shows and other different mediums? Also, as well, where there's also lots of people who are working on something that you guys worked on and then seeing it, um, you know, and then seeing it for the first time. But how does it feel for yourself with comic books? Well, you know, TV, I mean, the, the, the TV that we do, which mainly animation right yeah, now. Exactly. Is, I, I mean, I just look at it as a product. I mean, talk about a job. That is doing <laughs> yes, a job. Absolutely. <laughs> you put in, put in time, you put in work, you take home money, and at some point, Somebody watches it on TV, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Um, comics, especially as, as the years have gone on, I've been doing them for so long, have become way more personal, way more of an artistic expression, way more of a personal um, statement uh, than, than anything else. I mean, w- once you've worked in, in TV, you really appreciate something like comics, which is can, is so <laughs> so small and, and contained and manageable, yeah. and you have so much control and so much um, it's so much of you, yeah. um, especially creator owned comics, where again, like I said, you're to top to bottom involved in every aspect of the of the creation and the production and the design and the and the publication, everything. Yeah. Um, TV is just kind of plug and play for, yeah. for me. You know? <laughs> that, that, that's funny. That's what Jeff Klein told us. We, we interviewed Jeff Klein about two years ago, a uh, really great guy uh, behind Transformers and a bunch of other stuff. And he said the exact same thing. He was like, oh, I love TV. It's just, it's just like, it's a battle. And in comics, you're just like, oh, this is nothing. <laughs> yeah. And that, listen, that makes some, I mean, to me, my weird sense of, uh, you know, value system that makes perfect sense that the thing that you you don't make money on really but you do it for the love that should be the thing that's the most personal to yeah. you exactly and these other endeavors that you know have lots of moving parts and you know have maybe maybe a bigger thumbprint on the culture um but that's just i mean that's what you do to pay your rent yeah. you know yeah so to be able to make the other stuff cool we yeah, have, exactly. Like, <laughs> I, I mean, I do feel like everything that I do that I sort of subject myself to to make money 
is in part funding my artistic endeavors on the creator-owned comic side, yeah. you know? Perfect. So in other words, employed but artistic. <laughs> <laughs> there well, are... I ask, I look at, well, I put it this way. Let's put it this way. Ben 10 paid for Butcher Baker. <laughs> exactly. And I'm a big fan of Ben 10. They oh, may be quite different, but they're all in the family. Love Ben 10. There we go. Now, there are a lot of writers that suffer from writer's block that prevents them from finishing stories. When it comes to crunch time, how do you yourself overcome it? Um, well, it's funny. I was just had this conversation with somebody uh, last week about this. I don't necessarily, I've never really gotten writer's block because I'm working on so many things simultaneously that if, if, if I'm not feeling the mojo on a certain project, I can just jump over to something else and hopefully work on that for a while. And that kind of kickstarts oh. everything. Um, it's the bigger problem for me occasionally. And it's been more lately, I think, is the motivation to work. Oh. Because as as the animation stuff and the TV stuff has become more and more a part of uh, my work life, yeah, uh, I find myself more and more wanting to take longer vacations. Oh, well, yeah, <laughs> and uh, maybe you know sleep in a little more. I mean, I, I've it's been more of a job than I've had in a in a while. I mean, the first yeah. 10 years of my professional life where it was mostly comics was like not having a job at all. It was the greatest. <laughs> yeah. It was right. It was, you know, I would use it, it was living the dream because I was doing a lot of mainstream commercial comics, uh, work for higher stuff yep. that was paying very well, but I love writing that stuff just as much as I love writing my own stuff. So it was not, it was not a, as much work as it was, you know, it was more of a vocation than an occupation. Yeah, but yet yeah. I was getting paid for. We, yeah, you're 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 having a lot of fun. You're like, it's not exactly pleasure. You can't I mean say that because it is also like you know could be possibly draining, or you also have like deadlines and stuff. But yeah, exactly. It was a dream job. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean that, and and even the stuff that you would consider like the the hassles of of that job, which is like you say deadlines or yeah, wrangling with editors or whatever <laughs> whatever the the minutia of work for hire comic book writing is I, st I loved all that stuff too. Cause I was, I, it was part of the gig. Yeah. It was what I'd I knew what I was signing up for. You know, I knew it was going right. to be, you know, how do you have your voice come through in these very commercial, very controlled situations? You know, how do you write yeah. Superman and make it a personal statement yeah. you know, as well as fulfilling all the, continuity um, and yeah and all just all the requirements of a good superman comic exactly you know? yeah totally. and then also no you know real surprises that when especially with something like that there's expectation then that yep. comes in because you're you're speaking to a brand rather than something yeah. that you're creating yourself and was that really different from for you then from say butcher baker where it's completely yours well I didn't treat it. Di I didn't treat it all that differently, which yeah. sometimes got me in a lot of trouble. <laughs> That's where the editors come in. <laughs> because I, you know, it was to me, it's all making comics. And if yeah. you, when you're making comics, it's all good. Yeah. Um, sometimes my editors at Marvel or DC then would have to sort of 
disabuse me of that notion sometimes. <laughs> we have and, some we have some notes. Yeah, but I, but to be, but to be fair to them, more often than not, uh, it was because I was too. I felt I was too off the leash. Yeah, uh, and there are things that I would tr- try to make happen, or maybe try to push through in maybe inappropriate venues. Yeah. Um, but nothing I'll, too egregious and nothing. I mean, I wasn't a, I wasn't a fucking idiot about it. I knew, <laughs> I knew if I'm writing Superman, I know what the general parameters are. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I think, uh, there were, there were times where I thought, Hey, maybe I can push the envelope a little bit in this direction. Yeah. And sometimes I, sometimes I got away with it <laughs> and sometimes I didn't. Yeah. <laughs> All right. life. We have one question before our plugs, and this question we started off with uh, Joshua Williamson. Um, he <laughs> he liked the question. He says that we should ask everybody this question, so I like asking it. Do you know what is the worst review of anything you've done that you've <laughs> you've had? <laughs> the worst review of anything I've got? Yeah. yeah. Any- oh. And you feel free to make fun of them. His was terrible. Somebody like really ripped into his stuff, and then he then he was like, "Well, then I wrote Flash, and was like, ha ha." <laughs> um, yes. I don't know. I don't think I've ever had anybody just rip me a new asshole. Uh, <laughs> One was enough. You know, just on the on the work itself. I've had, I've had people, you know, sort of online and and internet. Types Trolls. go after me. Everybody's nice online. What are you talking about? The persona <laughs> that I was projecting, you know, and, and mm. in conjunction with the work. Also, oh, was personal. They say, he's, you know, it's not the work's not all that good, and he's an asshole. You know that. That's <laughs> what? The, what? Well, listen, it happens. Yeah, I was saying. <laughs> I mean, we'll there's a there's a thousand uh, things worse that they could say, I guess. So, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, and that and and I. Listen, I went through a period early in my career where I definitely leaned into it. I, you know, I, oh, I yeah. had a certain, I had a certain image, and I thought, well, this is one way to promote the work, and this is one way to brand my career, and <laughs> let's go with it. Yeah. And after a while, you know, as with anything, an, an image is just a shadow. It's always a couple of steps behind you. Yeah. And you know, you out in, and when you outgrow it, it's even worse because then you have to shake that thing that you built up yourself um so that took that takes a while too you kind of build up this thing absolutely oh yeah like and then you have to sort of dismantle it just to get on with your life yeah so i even look so i look back at when people would kind of take shots at the persona i you know in retrospect i I see where they were coming from yeah (laughs) Yeah, we, I mean, uh, I mean, we felt like that. We started this three years ago. We were just like, what are we doing? And then when we've had some real, I mean, and yeah, that, that doubt is always, always there. But we, we fought through it and now we're very proud of our show. And uh, so, uh, yeah, that's really cool. Thank you so much. Uh, I guess the last thing is what, what should we be looking forward to in the future? I mean, we got Butcher Baker. Um, What's next? Let me say there is gonna there is gonna be more sex the comic book. <laughs> All right, yes, thank you. Um, and then uh, I've got a series that was announced earlier this year. Another image book is called the New Lieutenants of Metal. Yes, which, yes, yes, yes. Uh, yes. Drawn by Ulysses Farinas, which is coming out probably uh, late spring, early summer. I remember the announcement. Um, yeah, so that'll be. I think that's the next thing on deck. And you know, there's. 
I've always, in terms of uh, comics, you know, there's a, like two, three other things that I'm working on, you know, creator own things that have not been announced yet or still kind of percolating, <laughs> but um, there will be probably at least one or two more projects that come out in 2018 Ooh. Uh, from Image that have just taken a, you know, they've just been. I've just been working on them. They're being drawn, and you know, it's, just, it's just taking taking a while to get them going. Perfect. Well, we'll be looking forward to them. Well, thank you so much, Joe. You've been awesome, and I'm going to yeah. send us out now. So, all righty. Thank Sign you us all. Off. All right. Thanks a lot, guys. Thank you. Thank you, Joe. Have a good night. Thank you. All right. Take care. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Appreciate it, Joe. And thank you all for listening in. Our podcasts are available on iTunes and any other podcast app, and, of course, our website, thegrandgeekgathering.com. We have articles, video series, and other podcasts available for you to enjoy. While you're there, go ahead and contact us. We would love to hear from you. You can stay updated on our Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and we stream on Twitch. Uh, the intro is provided by bensound.com, and you can buy Butcher Baker at pretty much everywhere, so go and get it. Uh, so come and join the gathering. Have a great week, and GGG! Thank you, Joe, again. No problem. Oh, man. <laughs> he stuck through I it. Love that.